dedicated to trots racing. On winners, welcome to Gate Speed. And joining us for Gate Speed, Blake Redden rejoins us. Good afternoon to you this time, Blake. Yes, good afternoon, Brendan. And on the phone, Jason Bonington. Jason, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Brendan. How are you, mate? Very well, thank you. Straight into the five things we learn across the weekend, boys. Murrigan was uh, picture perfect on a wet track, Blake. It looked uh, a wet, nasty night. I did catch up with uh, one interview from, from Greg Sugars. He was quite <laughs> happy to get the winning owners out there amongst the, the wet and the rain as well. But uh, Murrigan was good on the wet track. Yeah, that was. This is the interview from uh, from the Murrigan race because... Uh, it was a, it was the homegrown classic, one of the features on the night, the Group 2. And I know, Bon, you probably had a slightly different opinion heading into the race, but I thought his win in the heat was solid without being spectacular, but he really did win this with some authority considering he had to go around, sit parked, and, and I thought he just put them away and um, and was never, ever looking the loser. So he might be a pretty nice horse, Murugona. I think it's going to be a good form race with the likes of Pandering and, and a few of the others to come through it uh, without the two, without the ta. Um yeah, it was a it was quite a dominant win, I thought, considering it wasn't a massive margin. But uh, on the wet track to do what he did, Bon, good signs for Miragon heading forward. Yeah, well, there's no doubt um, uh, Emma Stewart and Clayton Tonkin have always had a big opinion of Miragon. They really wanted to qualify him for the Australian Pacing Gold Final. Now, we know the homegrown classic's a good race every year, but the Australian Pacing Gold's a different level. So that's the esteem in which they hold Miragon. Unfortunately, he made a mistake in the qualifier, as we know, of the APG. So the consolation was the homegrown. I just felt, even though he didn't win by a big margin in the heat, that when you go up and sit parked and win the way he did, he just showed class in the concluding stages. He was never going to lose his qualifier, but he did come out and really owned his adversaries, didn't he, in the final. So I don't know where he sits in the pecking order of Emma Stewart and Clayton Tonkin's two-year-olds. Potentially be happy, Max, still the benchmark. But like I said, I've always had a big opinion of Miragon, and he was clearly better than his rivals. The second, third, fourth and fifth horses were all okay. The time wasn't spectacular, but the wet track probably took care of that. So definitely Miragon's the best horse to come out of that race. But I'd still be following a horse like Beale Street, who's on the way out without the tar. Looks a pretty nice horse. Pandering's obviously got some ability and even night spirit. So good race, but Miracon was just a class above. Savannah JJ, probably the most uh, improved horse in Victoria, I'd have to say. Does it again at Ballarat on Friday night, Jason? Oh, look, he, what he's doing at the moment is just spectacular. Now, we'll, we'll keep harking back to the fact that probably six or seven starts ago, Jimmy Herbertson uh, started driving the horse and sort of indicated if we throw the uh, the professional American card off, just throw the challenger away for a moment, we might be able to go even quicker with this horse. And he was racing really well prior to that change of sulky, but since then he seems to have gone to a completely different level. He's got a great turn of speed. He's got an exceptional will to win, and he can, he's, he's become very versatile. He led and won the Australian uh, Trotting Championship two starts back, or the start prior to the John Slack Memorial, and here he came from off the speed. Now, there's no doubt, Bakes, he was helped by the fact that Illawong Armstrong, Jeremy and Bake at it once more, wanted to hold the front. That meant that the glove and the major danger in the race. So I think most would have mapped to lead, had to sit parked and transit, and Savannah JJ just got that beautiful card into proceedings. I actually thought the run of McLovin was massive. They were point three, I reckon, outside the track record at Ballarat for the 2,200-metre trip. But take nothing away from Savannah JJ. He's low-flying for Stan Cameron and the love bug at the moment. He is. Um, quite an interesting question. If you, if you didn't have the barrier draw and you had one pick at them into a, a race, say, next week, would you rather have McLovin or Savannah JJ running for you? Uh, probably Savannah JJ at the moment, purely because he can he can do it more different ways. I think that the performance from McLovin was huge, but you just get the well, you've seen the evidence now, haven't you? That when McLovin doesn't lead in his races, he's probably 
probably more vulnerable than Savannah JJ, who's led and come off the speed and won big races under both circumstances. So, stunningly, I'd take Savannah JJ. What about you? Yeah, yeah, I think so at this stage. I think he's uh, he sort of you know announced himself as that second tier behind potentially Tornado Valley in, in Australia in terms of trotters, so there's no reason to look away from him. He just continues to get the job done, and, and as you say, James Herbertson's done an, an outstanding job with him and another terrific drive on the weekend to uh, to get another feature race win for him. Well, 12 months ago, you wouldn't have expected Savannah JJ to be staking his claim as the best trotter in the country. Blake, uh, Bull was beaten, but uh, what does it mean? Good question. Really good question. Chicago Bull was turned over at $1.10 at Gloucester Park last Friday, and I don't think I have the answer. Maybe we'll have to throw it to Jason to see what he thinks, but uh, look, it's not an ideal circumstance. I think there were some question marks over his first up win in terms of exactly how uh, how fluently he was pacing again on the weekend. Uh, I don't think he had many excuses. He was afforded the lead, as they usually do over in Perth, and for him, and, and he was run straight past by the stable mate. So Gary Hall Sr. didn't seem overly concerned post-race, but... Um, Oh, look, it's not an ideal sign, is it, Bond, that he's been run down on that track when he's had a few things go his way? Well, boys, you can only have two schools of thought on this. One is that this is his second run back from a very, very long break. He was probably due to have a little dip, even though he wasn't, like, spectacularly good first up from the very long break. You would have thought maybe that run might have taken something out of him, and if he was going to have a run where he just had a little dip, it would be second up. We know how that works in uh, both codes of horse racing. All the school of thought that this horse has had a significant injury. He's had part of his back taken away. He looks like he's not pacing as fluently and never in the history of his life you would have thought he would have been just naturally out sprinted by a faster horse in the final 400 metres and let's be pretty clear about this whose idea was this is a nice enough horse but he's no superstar they have run home in 55 seconds flat but um, there's concerns there's got to be concerns at the moment there's no doubt that Chicago Bulls going to come back this preparation and still be a very good horse but look he was one of the best two or three in the country some people would have said the best in the country for a period there so he's not at that level right now there still has to be more evidence before we can make a clear decision on where Chicago Bull is at but it's just a couple of concerns for me that he's got a long road back to get back to his outstanding brilliant best Centenario cruised home in the at the Holloway Classic. Jason on Friday night defeating his stable mates. Mick Guramay mentioned on Sunday morning that the the stable did go to the stewards prior to the race and and enlightened on how the uh, the the field will be driven pretty much, which was a, a good uh, thing for for the punting public. You would have to think, but Centenario too good for his stable mates uh, last Friday night. It was an intriguing scenario. Obviously, it was a. I just worry about the precedent being set slightly. But, yeah, um, the six runners were all trained for the uninitiated by Emma Stewart and Clayton Tonkin and Centenario after drawing the best of them was always going to win the race. I have been a massive, massive supporter of Hurricane Hurley for a long time. It's, it's hard to get too discouraged by what we saw uh, on the weekend there. Had no opportunity after settling last in the small field to potentially make any significant ground. But... Um, They've always had a massive opinion of Scenario. I know Clayton Tonkin in particular has always rated Centenario at his best as being the best of that generation, Bakes, and it's hard to disagree at the moment, though. It's fair to say we couldn't have learnt anything too significant out of that race. Yeah, he didn't lose heaps of ground, but Hurricane Harley did gallop early doors, and um, it, it certainly cost him being that spot closer. He probably, well, he definitely wouldn't have won, but uh, it certainly ended the race as a contest. So, I mean... I think if we look back to the Breeders' Crown at the end of last year, maybe Centenario was at the end of his tether, but at the same time, Hurricane Harley was oh so dominant. He's clearly uh, a bit temperamental. He's clearly not always at his best, Hurricane Harley, but 
I still think they'll have some good battles through the major part of this season. At the same time, you, you just can't, at this stage, tip against Centenario because he's the one that just turns up and does the job, and that's everything you want in a racehorse as an owner, a trainer, or a driver. He's um, he's almost the perfect prototype of what you'd like to, to send around in a Vic Bread Super Series and Breeders' Crown now because uh, he's got uh, he's got good weapons, and, um, and he just always seems to turn up on the night. And uh, Blake, uh, Dijon Proust spicy in the elite lop on Sunday night. Yeah, I, I don't know that I can cover this off too well. Luckily, we have our man that was on the spot, Jason Boddington, not on deck at Solvala, but he was on Sky Channel throughout the night, so he can probably give us a little bit more, but uh, it was a major blowout. The caller was absolutely going berserk um, throughout the race, Bon, and, uh, and this 40-1 to one shot has just led all the way in the elite lop. Taken too much for her to go berserk. She seemed like she was uh, she was uh, over racing quite a bit most of the night as well. But it was, look, it was a it was a blowout result. Dijon, who had uh, started outside, well, there was only a front row in the heat and the final of the elite lapet, but started outside uh, in the outside draw in a heat. And I think many people thought, well, it's got brilliant gate speed. This could be the opportunity to see Dijon try and fly across the field in the qualifier. Didn't come out in, on roller skates and Aubrey on the gear. Um, known as the best gelding in the world, was able to hold the lead comfortably from gate one. But Romain Derrière decided we're going to throw caution to the wind uh, in the final and try and get across the face of the field. Was able to do that. And from there, um, was just a little bit too good for his rivals. Propulsion was the big disappointment. And the, and the high drama in the race came before the race with Reedley Express, unfortunately, uh, pulling up lane just in the warm-ups prior to the final. So Reedley Express comes out. That probably buoys everyone drawn a little bit wider with an opportunity to cross over at the start. And then Propulsion, who didn't look himself. This is the horse who'd run second in the previous two Elite Lepet finals, just going nowhere near his best. And in fact, he was a great imposition in the end to Aubrey on de Guerre, who tried to follow him through after getting off defence. Brilliant drive, got into the 1-1 behind Propulsion, but then got dragged back at a crucial stage, rattled home for favourite punters, but it was all too little too late. And the French, reckon if I'm right, have now squared up with the Swedish 23 wins in the Elite Lepet each. So, um, a magnificent final of the Elite Lop, but not what anybody expected, Brendan. And a big night coming up on uh, Saturday night at Melton Group Racing to the four, the Group 3 Metropolitan Pace Final for the uh, for the MOs who qualified there last week, the Matriarch Group 2 for the Trotting Mares, the, the Tatlow for the two-year-olds and the APG Group 2 for the two-year-olds. But the feature on the program on Saturday night, boys, will be the Victoria Trotters Oaks and the, the fields are just out now, Blake, and uh, the unbeaten nine, the Pegasus draws barrier 11 for Chris Alford and Joe Vassalo. Yeah, interesting. Um, clearly has turned it around, this this filly, in the last little while. She was a bit of a problem child early, but, um, yeah, I mean, from the second row, it's obviously hard to see how she gets into the race, but there's so much quality littered across across the front row. Sleepy, uh, Royal Charlotte. Sonny's Little Jestic is an interesting runner from New Zealand. Uh, I'm set to go. George's Pride Bond. I don't know if you've had a quick squeeze of the field. Emerald Strides off the second row. It looks like uh, a really deep and even Victoria Trotters Oaks to my eye. Yeah, uh, yeah. Look, I, I think that Emerald Stride's got to, be, got to be taken very seriously after another big win in a Group Two race up there at Menangla on Saturday night. And you just think she, she just continues to fly under the radar. She's a Redwood winner, the Need for Speed Princess winner, so she's a very good horse. But also take notice, boys. Saturday, of course, over there in New Zealand at Addington, it's Harness Jewels Day. Now, unfortunately, due to some 
passport issues, I have drifted to a six-to-one shot to be able to make it there, but I'm still trying very, very hard. Um, but uh, there's going to be some terrific racing there. And even though Mark Turn and Natalie Rass mustn't look like they're going to dominate the day, I think they've got a couple of short price favourites that are a little bit vulnerable. And the only two dead-set certainties on the program are Ali Mack, unfortunately, who I think will do the business to defeat the Australian representative major occasion. And Turn it up won't be getting in, beaten in the four-year-old Emerald. But some terrific racing on both sides of the Tasman, boys. Here's, here's a question for you, Bonnie. How much pressure are you feeling over the, the passport situation? Are you, are you getting, are you copping heat over it, or are you just uh, just trying to work through it calmly? Oh, look, I'm just trying to work through it calmly. Really, if it was if it was only me and my life, as you well know, Bakes, I, I don't worry about things too much. So many things go wrong for me that I just move on pretty quickly. But you don't want to drag others along for the ride. So we'll just await. So are you copping a little bit of heat with others, or? <laughs> Are you copying a little heat with others or not so much? Uh, only minor at the moment and just trying to cruise <laughs> through. There's a few other responsibilities to get through, Brendan, before we worry about Saturday, mate. Now, uh, Mick Guren alluded to on uh, Sunday morning, there, there was some issues from uh, some of the uh, the horses that were uh, stranded in regards to, to flights with fog. Have we had any update, boys? Apparently they were going to fly last night if the fog wasn't too bad, some of the Victorian and, uh, and New South Wales challenges. Yep. My information was it might have been today. I, I, I don't know. There's, there's obviously Chickamy Pinks. There are a couple of Anton Galinos, of course, have been stranded there. And he was talking about being only a 50-50 chance of uh, still going to the jewels. Have you got any more information? I'm not sure I have at the moment. Yeah, I believe I saw the minute they had this morning they have landed. So uh, I, don't, I don't want to go off early there, but I, I'm pretty sure I read that they've landed in Christchurch. Well, if so, that's good news for the for the Anton Galino team with his assault on the Jules program in New Zealand on Sunday. Well, that's a wrap for Gate Speed this week. Blake Jason, thank you very much, gentlemen. Thanks, Brendan. Blake Redden and Jason Bonington with uh, Gate Speed for uh, a look at the trots action across last week and the coming week with the big Oaks night on uh, Saturday night for the three-year-old trotting fillies. We're going to head to a break. We're two minutes off the first of our racing commitments at Albury.